You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! Anyway, with the friends, the 
following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where well, let's just say we have a lot of controversial stuff on the uh, on uh, the docket tonight uh, to discuss. If you guys want to call in and talk some sports, you can call in at 657-383-1308. We will be live, hopefully, for the full three hours tonight, although considering it is daylight saving time, the last time we had a podcast around daylight saving time, yeah, we weren't able to go live for a full hour, so... Uh, oh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, but Lou, uh, welcome as always, and we Thank have. Uh, yeah, why don't we start off uh, with a bang with uh, yeah. going over to the NFL? The huge right. story besides besides the Odell Beckham Jr. news, uh, the huge story this week uh, has been about former, now former, uh, yes. Las Vegas Raider Henry Ruggs, who apparently is facing 
He is facing five total charges stemming from his fatal car crash that he saw, that he uh, that had occurred earlier this week. Five. Now, is that kind charges. of two from today? Uh, yes, it is five okay. five total charges, including four felonies. Uh, according to court records that were obtained by TMZ, uh, he has been hit with a DUI resulting in death, a DUI resulting in substantial bodily harm, which presumably this will be for the injuries that his girlfriend had suffered in the crash, uh, as well as two reckless driving charges. All of them are, of course, felonies. He was also hit with a misdemeanor charge of possessing a gun under the influence of alcohol, as there was a gun in his uh, back seat, I believe it was. Yes. And it says here that if he is convicted on all counts, he could face up to 46 years behind bars. Exactly. And as far as the, as far as the minimum goes, I know for DUI, the minimum is two years. Uh, DUI resulting in death, that is. Uh, I know the minimum there is two years, but you add in the gun charge, uh, depending on if he was licensed or not, I know uh, from from looking it up, he could face anywhere from, I think it's like one to an additional six years on top of that. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, I think it's safe to say, because let's face it, it's obvious he's not going to get out on good behavior or anything. He's a dead duck. Uh, he's, his life is pretty – well, most of his life is pretty much over. Yes. At the, at the young age of, what, 22, 23, I think? 20, 24, I believe it is. 20 – yeah, okay, so 24. Four years old, and actually no, he's twenty-two. I just twenty-two. He was Ugh, born even in, worse. Yeah, he he was born in ninety-nine. Uh, yeah, the, you know this kid was obviously you know he went to college uh, in Alabama, played for the Crimson Tide. Uh, you know this kid was seen as one of the future studs of the NFL, yeah. and now. Uh, because of the fact okay. that instead of ta- in- instead of taking a uh, instead of taking a taxi or taking an Uber, he chose to drive drunk, and basically, uh, you know, he was dri- they said he was driving up to 156 miles per hour. Yeah, and and when the crash. When the crash occurred, uh, he hit the car at 127. But I mean, you know, that's that's not really much to say, uh, considering he he was driving 156 miles per hour uh, beforehand, and then he hit the car at 127 and caused the death of a 22 or 23 year old young woman uh, and her dog as well. Dog. Yep, and you know, you know, I'm kind of surprised that animal cruelty isn't uh, possibly added to that list of uh, of charges. Oh, it will, it will. I would think it. I would think it probably would be, but regard, you know, regardless, this is talented wide receiver who was had everything go had everything going for him. 
through seven games this year with the Raiders. He had 24 catches, two touchdowns. He was on pace, basically, to set career – well, he already set career highs in yard in passing uh, or receiving yards this year, but he was on pace to set uh, career-long records. Granted, this is his, only his second year in the league. And now, all of a sudden, everything has basically been th- – he decided to throw it all away because he made a bad decision – and he decided to drive after who know, who knows how many beers he had or how many drinks. Uh, right. That has yet to have been revealed. But it did say he had a blood alcohol level of .161, which is more than twice the legal limit in Nevada. Yeah. And I think it's the whole country that uh, that no one applies to. I think the legal limit is the same everywhere in the country. Oh, okay. Is it okay? I think um, it is. Because I, I, I'm, I'm not exact. I'm not exactly sure if uh, if because I know I know point eight is the legal limit, right? Right. Or point oh eight. Point oh eight. Yeah. So because uh, regardless, work, so. you know, re- regardless, it was twice the legal limit, um, or slightly over twice the legal limit, and. I mean, this is very, very bad of me to say, but thank God it was early in the morning because this could have been a much, much bigger mm-hmm. accident compared to what – Yes. Com- compared compared to the end result. Uh, so on November 2nd, which was, I believe, Tuesday, uh, yes. at approximately 3.39 a.m., uh, the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department responded to a traffic collision involving a Chevrolet Corvette and a Toyota RAV4. When okay. first responders arrived at the scene, the Toyota was on fire with a deceased victim along with her dece- deceased dog inside. And she was, uh, she was identified as 23-year-old Tina Tinter, uh, who initially had survived the crash uh, the preliminary investigation indicated that the the front of the Chevrolet collided with the rear of the Toyota, and apparently the damage was so bad that she could not leave, she could not escape her car. Like she was essentially trapped, like you know, ba- basically trapped, not able to move, and because because you would think, okay, maybe you can escape through the other side. She was no. completely trapped and essentially burned alive, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, there was video that was taken yeah. uh, by bystanders, and it had Ruggs and his girlfriend. The, the bystanders were pointing out to the police exactly who it was. Uh, saying that it was it was Henry Ruggs, he you know he's a he's a player for the Vegas Raiders, um, and clear from the video, you know Ruggs was uh, was very belligerent. You know he was uh, he had definitely showed signs of impairment, uh, and also I think it was it was possibly also a big sense of denial as well uh, when it came to as far as to what had just taken place which goes when you're uh, he, yeah 
Uh, he was uh, ultimately transported uh, and treated for non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, he actually had to get wheeled in to the courtroom on a wheelchair. And uh, he, was char- he was charged with those five charges and then booked into the Clark County Detention Center after he was released from the hospital. Uh, his bond was set at $150,000. And, I, I mean, that's, you know, this is, this is just additional details. I mean, the point, the point is yeah. his career is pretty much over. That is his career, but his life. The, yeah, his career and, and the majority of his life is pretty much over. I mean, maybe, depending – now, they did say that he did not or, – or what's it called? It wasn't said whether or not he had the possibility of parole. Uh, but, mm. you know, you kind of you have to think that with the severity of – of the uh, of the accident, and I mean just the fact that you know they're probably going to want to set an example and make an example out of them more Good. than likely because I mean you know this is this could be the one opportunity that they can say you know kids don't drive drunk or this could potentially happen to you and you know this this could pretty much be uh, one of the standard setters, essentially. So I think it would have to be. You know, for for driving while intoxicated. Um, now, I saw the footage, or not the footage, but I saw the, uh, the photos of the two cars, and yeah. Uh, let me tell you, the one that was on fire, it was definitely well. It was now white after after they put it out. Uh, a car that was that had been on fire, the victim's car, uh, was definitely mangled. You know, there there's no no way that I, that I would I would think anybody would be able to get out of there, even if they. Uh, you know, it, it looked like she was probably pinned. Under uh, you know her legs were probably pinned underneath all the wreckage. So, I mean, it's devastating. You know the fact that uh, you know if on, if only he had just decided to take an Uber. You know, not only would his life would his life still be. Uh, I mean, he's still living, but you know his life is essentially almost completely over. Um, you know, we would still have we would still have the twenty three year old Tina and her dog still alive as well. Yeah, he would still have a career, and and it doesn't it doesn't help him even uh, even more. It doesn't help him the fact that he's an athlete because that's going to make them even more likely to uh, you know to make an example out of him. I mean, it just you know I've I've read uh, certain people I've I've seen certain people say, oh you know he's an he's an athlete he'll get off he'll he'll get off with the minimum the minimum uh, penalty 
or the you know the minimum all sentence. Right. Not with all those not with all those charges that he's, that are mounting up right now. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, obviously it's a very devastating incident. Um, I'll say that again. But what are your thoughts? Do you do you think his career is over? And even if his career, oh, his isn't career is over, over, his life is over. It's all over, all because of his plain stupidity. Yeah, his his life is over. You know, he he killed somebody. He was drunk as a skunk. Everything. I mean, he caused this. His yeah. His life, his career, his reputation is all shot to hell. I mean, hell, when he gets out, if he gets out, you know, he would be 68, basically, if he gets the maximum sentence yeah. uh, that he's facing, which is 46 years. Yeah. You know, well, I don't know be, if he'll get the he maximum or not, but, you know, you know, with his, with, you know, everything now in the toilet, you know, with his career, and all because he had to be stupid, you know, his life is never going to be the same again. I don't even know if he's... I don't even know if he's even showing any remorse for it. Not that it's going to get you, you no, know, any, you know, you know any, any, make it so, any better. But. Yeah, no, I mean, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter whether or not he shows remorse. You know, he's still, he's still committed the act. And uh, quite frankly, quite frankly, you know, I, I mean, the victim's family has basically said that grief is incomprehensible. Uh, yes. it's impossible to express the grief that they're feeling right now for losing uh, such sure. a young, uh, such a young woman. Um, you know, it, and, pl- and plus another, another thing <clears throat> too is, uh, I'm, you know, I'm reading here that apparently she screamed to try and help, to try and get people to help her. But uh, the witnesses could not do anything to save her whatsoever. Her car was literally that screwed up, and then yeah, and then ultimately the car burst into flames, which she essentially burned. She essentially uh, died, you know, alive on fire. Yeah, Ugh. and. Uh, you know the uh, crash video. It shows. It, it shows. Uh, I shouldn't say crash video, but the aftermath uh, video yes. shows uh, Henry Ruggs crying, uh, crying and uh, and swearing uh, all over the place moments after the right. impact, after he had gotten out of his car. Um, yeah, I mean, Lou, if you, you know, if you go on TMZ and you look, uh, you search for. For Henry Ruggs, uh, there's some photos of the car, and the front is just completely, completely totaled. Dismantled. The it's completely totaled. The uh, the frame of the windshield is bent inward. Yeah. The the tires, the front tires are bent inward as well. With the uh, with the bottom of the tires being on the outside or facing the outside, it's uh, it's just disheveled. It's uh, there's there's no way she was getting out of there, essentially. No. Um, and apparently, 
Henry Ruggs, he uh, he apparently was drifting in and out of consciousness throughout this whole thing. Um, he ended up basically being knocked unconscious, and he ended up getting getting transported uh, to the hospital, like I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. But uh you know the the raiders uh they didn't they didn't uh hesitate at all after they gathered all the facts and everything uh they released him uh all of his merchandise all of his jerseys and everything they were pulled from all stores uh you know not just not just stores that uh local stores that that would sell vegas uh, raiders merchandise but also all of the online stores uh, you know, anywhere you can get Oakland Raiders jerseys, everywhere uh, pulled all of his uh, pulled all of his all of his merchandise, which is, you know, obviously it's the right move because it's the smart move because you with a with an incident like this, you you don't want to profit off of it essentially. No. Um. And this, uh, his uh, arrest actually prompted uh, tears from one of his former teammates, uh, Tua Tungavailoa, who, of course, now is the uh, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And he said after, uh, after practice on Wednesday, you'd never think that this guy could hurt a soul. Um, yeah. And he, of course, shared his condolences to those who were close to the 23-year-old victim. And pretty much everybody, pretty much everybody uh, Ruggs knew is in complete yeah. disbelief at this moment. Um, but, sure. I mean, drunk or not drunk, there's no reason why you should be, you should be speeding 156 miles. Uh, even if yeah. it's even if it's down a uh, even if it's down a, a clear runway, you know, you only do that if you're at like a racetrack or something. If you're if you're taking your car out for a spin and whatnot, and you're doing it on a, uh, at an empty racetrack, yeah, fine. But you're not doing that on. Uh, I don't know if it was on the strip or where it was, or where exactly in Vegas it was, but. I mean, you just don't do that. No. You know? What kind of idiot would would go at 156 miles an hour? For what? 156 miles an hour, and supposedly he was trying to – the explanation was he was trying to get home. Trying to get home and driving at 156 miles per hour? Uh, I'm sorry about that. I mean, I'm sorry. You just – like I said, drunk or not, there's no excuse for it. No, at all. And even if he do, even if he is eligible to ever play again, let's say let's say he gets out after two years, for example, uh, somehow he gets the bare minimum. I highly I find it hard to believe that there would be many teams who would really be willing to even take a chance on him. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want that kind of liability. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want that kind of liability on my roster. Uh, no, 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, having players like uh, having troubled players in the past, like Chad Ochocinco, Randy Moss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, granted, granted, those are completely different levels of talent compared to Rugs, but you know, it's one thing to have players who you know who have had problems in the past off the court. Uh, and on the court, or or on the uh, on yeah. the field, off the field, it's another thing when these players have committed murder. Which, granted, it may have been incidental or accidental, but it's still murder. It's murder. What do we look at? So, regardless, you know, even even if say he gets out and he's still going to be. You know he he'll still have more potential years of playing ahead of him. Like say he gets out in two or three years, for example, on good behavior, if you want to put it that way. I uh, I highly doubt there's any teams that are going to want to take on that baggage. I mean, I would think teams I, I would think teams would want to deal with somebody like. I mean, these are two completely different things, but like Antonio Brown yeah. or or uh, Antonio Brown or Deshaun Watson, who are who either are currently or have had uh, sexual uh, sexual assault allegations against them. Teams would rather want to would rather want to go through with that uh, with that nonsense as opposed to going through. And having to having to deal with the uh, you know with the ramifications in the press of hiring a of uh, signing a murderer that would basically be like if the Patriots let's say Aaron Hernandez got off yes on the charges uh, for murdering Odin Lloyd let's say he got off uh, off of those charges. That would be like if the Patriots were to were to then re-sign Aaron Hernandez, even though he committed a murder. But then again, I mean the Ravens they did they, they had Ray Lewis, so you know I but you know, especially in this in this current climate, I think it, I think it's safe to say you know regardless of how long he spends in prison, whether it's the full 46 years, maybe it'll be the minimum of two to three years. His career is pretty much over. Yeah. And it's sad because uh, he, coming out of the draft last year, he had uh, elite speed. He had, uh, the future was very bright for him. But now yeah. his career is pretty much done. Now we go from one controversy to another. Uh, this one oh, wow. being Aaron Ro- Aaron Rodgers testing positive yes. for COVID nineteen, and obviously that means he is forced to miss tomorrow's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, which, on you know, uh, oddly enough, uh, before that was even announced, the line the betting line was at even for this game. Mm. Even with the struggles that, or with the struggles that Pat Mahomes was going through, and uh, the dominance that Aaron Rodgers had been showing this season, 
for some reason, the betting line on this game was marked even. Now, obviously, it's gone Kansas City's way ever since uh, Aaron Rodgers has been marked out. Uh, But here's where it gets interesting. Ian Rappaport reported that Rodgers is unvaccinated, which means he will be forced to miss at least 10 days. And with the Week 10 game being only 11 days away from that day that he was officially marked out, that also makes Rodgers questionable for that matchup as well. Now, here's the thing, though, because earlier in the season, earlier in the, in the season, it was reported that Rodgers had supposedly been vaccinated. Because, obviously, all NFL teams are supposed to report the vaccination status of each and every one of their players. And Rodgers was marked as vaccinated. Because he had said in an interview that he was immunized, or however, however, you, uh, however you put it. Right. Uh, Rodgers then, sh- then uh, followed up on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. Uh, claiming that he followed every single NFL protocol to a T. Uh, He said, I'm not a COVID denier or any bullshit like that. I just wanted to make a decision that's best for my body. I have followed every single protocol to a T, except that one that makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, that one that he's referring to is the rule that he has to wear a mask at indoor press conferences since all the reporters are, uh, are already vaccinated in masks. And masks. And he also said, basically, you know, you know, all these uh, all these big uh, things that uh, people get canceled over, you know, like Kyrie Irving, for example, who believes that the earth is flat or, uh, you know, all of these uh, all these things that uh, which I mean. I hope to not offend you, Lou. I don't know if you're a Democrat or Republican or whatnot, um, but I'm uh, you know, you are Republican. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, let me just put it this way: uh, many of the things that are associated with, well, w- well, with people who voted for Trump, I'll just put it that way. Not necessarily Republican, but people who voted for Trump. Uh, he started throwing things out left and right immediately in that, uh, in that interview, basically to make sure that he yeah. checked all the check boxes that people would try to, uh, uh, would try to, you know, uh, cancel him over per se. Uh, he ended up saying that he is not some sort of anti-vax flat earther, but rather somebody who's a critical thinker, uh, he also confirmed that he consulted with Joe Rogan on medical treatments. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's quite the guy to uh, to consult right. over uh, with this uh, with this whole thing. Um, apparently, he's currently taking uh, ivermectin, uh, zinc, and monoclonal treatments. And eventually, he incorrectly quoted Martin Luther King Jr. as well. And also, he compared himself to Martin Luther King Jr. 
with uh, with this long diatribe that he was going on uh, okay. on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, he also calmly demanded that the media quit lying about him since bodily autonomy is a right. Uh, he stated that the NFL thought he was a quack when he presented his research to uh, to them. Um, so regardless, you know, this obviously uh, took up a whole bunch of uh, – a whole bunch of headlines all over all the different uh, news outlets like CNN, MSNBC, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, I mean, let's face it, there are some people who now believe that Aaron Rodgers is, has, you know, pretty much gone insane at this point. Yes. I mean, what, what are your what are your thoughts on this uh, on this whole debacle, Lou? Well, it does commercially make so make does it for these insane. I don't know what does. So there's an answer right there. I mean, look, when he said himself that he doesn't take it because he's allergic to one of the ingredients that put in the vaccine. That's why he wouldn't take it. I don't know if I believe that or not. I mean, you know, it's oh, yeah, legit, right, but then again, you know, yeah, I forgot. It, I forgot it, he it, did it, say that. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, that's that's one reason why he said he didn't take it. But like I've said, you know, if you get it and if you're not vaccinated, you're going to be in – you could be in a serious health risk. I got my vaccination shot the last one a week and a half ago, the, uh, the second one. Um, you know, I had a few little uh, side effects. So eyes bulged out. I grew a third head, uh, four extra uh, – two extra nipples, you know, the uh, the usual the usual – side effects for a guy, but uh, now I'm okay, so you may feel like crap for a little while, but in the end, if you get it, you know, you'll, it'll be be well worth it. You have to put, you know, this is a pride thing, really, you think about it, and yes. I think, you know, you should have to put it aside. I, like I've said before on my show, put your pride aside. That's what you should do, because if you don't, it's going to kill you. And yeah, it's, it's like because, one of the... It's it's also too that some, you know some people also believe that uh, that there are tracking chips inside magically inside the va- uh, the vaccines, uh, you know that that are to track us uh, and track us everywhere we go and shit for the government. I mean, yeah, it's, sure. it, you know, it, obviously there, nobody could fit something that small inside a vaccine, and first off, you would actually have to feel it. Going inside, yeah. You. So, anybody can anybody that really believes that nonsense. I, I honestly, I don't know what to. I don't know get what to real, say. Get real. That's science fiction crap. Yeah, it's exactly. Not science fiction, but you know, it's that's not science fiction. Reality does not go together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Get the doesn't. vaccine because look, because look. I mean, even in certain cities, you know, they have. To, Athletes like in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, they have to require to get one vaccine shot in order to play in their home in their home uh, arenas and stadiums. If not, you lose money, you get fined, and you're going to be in deep shit. Or if you're uh, if you're Kyrie Irving's in Kyrie Irving's case, uh, you just do not play with the team at all this season. Period. Which is that's right. Pretty much pretty much where he's at right now and yes. essentially he's driving he's driving the nets absolutely insane right 
And we and, uh, don't be a dickhead. Yeah, exactly. And you know, at at some point, you know, he's he's also making the Nets think about moving on from him. Yeah. Essentially, which which might be a good thing. You know, I th- you know good. Yes. No, go ahead. Which might be a good thing because you know. If he were to come back, it would cause a distraction, I think, uh, on the court. So I think they're better off without him. Got to move on from him. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that they would definitely be uh, much better off without him, although I think maybe perhaps now they're wishing that they had kept Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, considering the fact that, you know, nobody really thought that Kyrie would go off the – well, I shouldn't even say that because he was already off the deep end thinking that the earth was flat. He was. Um, But, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, they don't really seem to be struggling. You know, they're 6-3. and They're currently uh, the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference right now. So, you know, it's not not like they're struggling uh, because of him not playing. So, you know, they're definitely – you know, they're definitely in the thick of things. But, you know, as far as it goes for Aaron Rodgers, I mean – I, I think he also said, too, that uh, the option was there for him to take the one-shot vaccine that he is not uh, allergic to. But apparently there's – we all know of those, uh, you know, those reports of, that are problems with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, that have to right. do with, uh, with some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, disorder or something that yeah. – uh, Certain people that certain people have been uh, have been getting due to having having had the vaccine, right. uh, but you know he he has decided for some reason. You know who knows if that allergy stuff is true? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Uh, yeah, but he has chosen. He has chosen for some reason to stay unvaccinated. So. You know, I really think that this is this is probably going to be the new norm. You know, that if you get COVID, yes, unfortunately, you are gonna, you are gonna, if you get COVID, you're gonna. This is essentially going to be like getting the flu, except the difference is, if you get the flu, okay, maybe you miss a game. If you get COVID, you're gonna be missing. You're gonna be missing uh, a minimum of ten days. So, yeah. uh, you know, in some sports, that could be a couple of games. Um, but yeah. you know, obviously he's out. He's out for this week. He is considered questionable for next week against the uh, Seattle Seahawks, considering yes, that he yes. would he would essentially he would essentially have no no days of practice whatsoever because he can't even he can't even touch the practice field until That's he, right. until he is officially cleared. Uh, like I said before, so, dumbass. Yeah. Uh, in response to this, the Packers did sign uh, Blake Bortles, who was with them in the preseason this year before he got right. cut. Uh, because obviously, you don't, you know, most teams don't go into the season with three quarterbacks; they only go in with two. Uh, right. But he is—I don't know if he has been elevated for the 53-man roster. Uh, this week or not, but he was signed initially to the practice squad for the Packers. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, who know, who knows? 
when it, when it yeah. comes to Aaron Rodgers, it's it's possible that you know this may be a blessing in disguise for Jordan Love because if he can shine in these one or potential two games uh, for the Packers the next two weeks, you know he was supposed to be the guy who was going to replace Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers uh, and his vaccination status, you know that may force the that may force the Packers if they're if he ends up uh, if Jordan Love ends up impressing and you know performing really well, maybe there might be a uh, there might be a, a question as to whether or not uh, you know to continue on with Rodgers or to continue on with Love for the rest of the season. So in other words, this this is not going to be a beautiful day in the neighborhood for Mister Rodgers. Oh. Oh no! As a matter of fact, as, you get, as a matter of you fact, this could be uh, this could be the equivalent of uh, Brady and Brady and uh, Drew Bledsoe. I mean, I can't really compare. Right. You know, uh, I can't really compare no. uh, Jordan Love to uh, to Tom Brady. They're two completely no. different uh, athletes. But you know when. Drew Bledsoe got injured in the playoffs. Uh, Tom or during the regular season, Tom Brady came in and he basically yeah. took over the the Patriots from that from that yeah, day, from yuck. that game forward. So, you know, maybe this might be a there might be a possibility this potentially happens here for uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And I mean, they're going on you know essentially uh, the understanding that this would potentially be Aaron Rodgers' last year. And that they would uh, bow to his demands in the off season this year uh, yes. to allow him to make his own decision whether or not he wants to stay or if he wants to move on. But uh, this this essential two game tryout may actually make things easy for them. Not about easy, but <laughs> but you know, regard, regardless, it's still. It's laughable, honestly. The uh oh, it's a comic the whole Aaron Rodgers Yeah, the whole Aaron Rodgers situation is laughable. And yeah. uh the fact that he's taken advice from Joe Rogan of all people, who has been one of those conspiracy theorists. Uh I mean he does have a very popular podcast, you know, but uh he's been one of those big conspiracy nuts. Uh so I guess I'm not really surprised that Aaron Rodgers joined in. I no. guess. I don't know. Uh, it's possible. And we, go, and we go from one other controversy to now another controversy. As, uh, one night. Uh, jumping, jumping sports from the NFL over to the NBA, as the NBA is officially launching an investigation into the Phoenix Suns, Following a strongly denied report by ESPN that claims that their owner, Robert Sarver, has a history of racist, misogynistic, and hostile incidents during his 17-year tenure uh, in charge of the, while in charge of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, according to a statement that was made by the NBA Executive Vice President of Communications, Mike Bass, 
he said, the allegations contained in today's ESPN article are extremely serious, and we have directed the Wachtel Lipton Law Firm to commence a comprehensive investigation. The NBA and WNBA remain committed to providing a respectful uh, and inclusive workplace for all employees. Once the investigation is completed, uh, its findings will provide the basis for any league action. Uh, ESPN, in their report, said it talked to dozens of current and former team employees for the story, one of them who I believe is former general manager Ryan McDonough, uh, who had released his own video statement. I think it was either last night or the night before on this whole topic, uh, including some who detailed inappropriate behavior by Sarver. Uh, Most of the allegations are from anonymous sources, but a few are officially on the record. Uh, Obviously, in ESPN's report, Sarver denied or disputed most of the allegations through his legal team, and he welcomes an impartial NBA investigation, apparently. Um, Among the allegations, former Suns coach uh, Earl Watson said that Sarver was upset that a Golden State player used the N-word during a game in 2016 and that the owner repeated the N-word several times when voicing his displeasure. Watson said that that he had told – you do recall that? I think I do, especially with a reference to saying that word. Yeah, and Watson said he told Sarver uh, that he can't use that word. Uh, Watson, of course, was the Suns coach for all or part of three seasons before he ended up being fired three games into uh, the 2017-2018 season. Uh, Sarver had said in his statement that Watson was clearly not a credible source. Um, he did state, while there is so much that is inaccurate and misleading in this story that I hardly know where to begin, let me be clear. The N-word is not part of my vocabulary. I have never called anyone or any group of people the N-word or referred to anyone or any group of people by that word, either verbally or in writing. I don't use that word. Now, uh, you know, I find it kind of hard to believe him considering the fact that yeah. oh I don't know the former uh, the former coach is black yeah you really think that he's going to be lying about this I mean I'm sorry there's I, I don't think he's going to be lying about about this with the with that uh, you know with that allegation. Uh, the report also the report has also detailed a story about how Sarver reportedly passed around a picture of his wife in a son's bikini to employees. What? The report the report says that more than a dozen employees also said Sarver had a history of making lewd comments in all staff meetings. Uh, Sarver has not publicly commented on though on that specific allegation. Uh, in ESPN story, Mike Bass had initially said that the NBA had not received a complaint of misconduct at the Suns organization through any of the processes, including uh, their confidential workplace misconduct hotline or other correspondence. 
but yet a few hours later, Bass then announced the formal investigation. I mean, it is, you know, as as if you as if you couldn't think that there would be any more, uh, you know, any any more controversies to pop up in sports. It's almost like as soon as the Gruden incident happened, there were it's it's almost like the like you know when you pull one weed, okay, you pull one weed, but there are more that are going to grow in its place. Yeah, it's like the, all these keep popping up, and it kind of makes you wonder how much more have we yet to uncover? Oh, we got a lot more to cover. This is now by a long shot. Um, and it says here, uh, there are some employees who issued a one sentence statement that says none of what's been said describes the Robert Sarver. I know respect and like, it just doesn't. Uh, the president and CEO of the Suns defended Sarver, uh, the CEO and president, Jason Rowley, who has said this story is completely outrageous and false. It doesn't represent at all the, the Robert Sarver I've worked alongside of for 15 years. He's not a racist and he is not a sexist. Now, of course, maybe Rowley doesn't know about it or maybe this is his way of basically trying to save face for the organization or, you know, trying to uh, – trying to basically be a uh you know defend your own your own organization's owner because essentially he is your boss mm. um now the executive director of the NBA Players Association uh Michelle Roberts she said that she was not aware of any reports from players of misconduct by Sarver or the Suns um as a matter of fact, they've only had contact with Chris Paul and James Jones because of the fact that they're part of the Players Association or have had uh, high, you know, high-level roles uh, within the Players Association. Um, current and former Suns employees also reportedly told ESPN that Sarver is known to say he is, quote-unquote, brutal to work for a line that he has supposedly repeated over the years, even in job interviews. Uh, Sarver has told executives reportedly that they were, quote-unquote, paid a lot of money to put up with my shit. Uh, And one business operations employee who is currently working for the Suns said, if the commissioner comes in and, and investigates to see what the fuck is going on in Phoenix, he would be appalled. He's not the only one. I mean, okay, here's another one, too. Uh, so apparently Sarver once used the N-word when trying to explain to a staffer why he preferred hiring Lindsey Hunter over Dan Majerly as head coach back in 2013. Uh, according to a high-level executive who reportedly heard the remark, uh, Hunter at the time was a first-year Suns player development coordinator, while Majerly was in his fifth year as a Suns associate head coach. Uh, 
and he said uh, the the exact quote that is taken from the ESPN article is these n words need a n word. Uh, Sarver had told the staffer of his largely black team, according to the executive. And he again cited race as the reason the team needed to hire Watson as head coach in 2016. Uh, A former Suns basketball executive said, a young black coach could better relate to black players, Sarver had reasoned, and could, and I quote, speak their language. Now, through legal representation, Sarver has denied this allegation, saying he never used the N-word and never used words to that effect. And he also said that race was never discussed during Watson's hiring process. Then we have uh, the, whole, the whole Eric Bledsoe incident. As um, Eric Bledsoe had been benched in a tanking effort that was led by Sarver, Uh, according to former basketball operations staffers. Uh, Issues with the benching percolated into the offseason when Bledsoe was eligible for a contract extension. Contract talks eventually led Bledsoe's agent, Rich Paul, to communicate directly with Sarver. The Suns owner did not want to extend his contract, in part due to concerns about Bledsoe's durability, plus concerns that the team had performed poorly with him as the starting point guard, according to sources at the time. Uh, Paul responded to Sarver's remarks by saying he knew basketball and that they weren't talking about tennis, which was Sarver's childhood sport. Sarver erupted at the dig, according to two people with knowledge of the interaction, telling Paul he was going to fire Watson as the team's head coach if Watson didn't sever ties with Clutch, which had been representing Watson at the time, within 10 days just after the start of the season. Uh... And hang on. Okay, so Watson had also said he explained to Sarver the optics of a white owner asking a black coach to fire an agency led by a black agent, which is Rich Paul, of course. Uh, And Sarver replied, yeah, I understand what race you two are. So I'm asking you, how bad do you want your job? Watson then told Sarver he wasn't going to fire uh, Clutch Sports or whatever yeah clutch sports as his agent as his agency uh watson said you can do whatever you want you own this team but my culture is not for sale and i'm not for sale uh through legal representation sarver responded to this saying his issue with clutch was solely due to a conflict of interest that a player and a coach could not be represented by the same agent sarver denied that the allegate that, that the conversation had anything to do with race Uh, When told of his response, Watson said, Rich was never my agent. Watson was represented by Clutch Sports, which is owned by Paul, by Rich Paul. Uh, He said, guess who did my contract when I got hired to be a coach with the Suns? Clutch. If Clutch did my contract, wouldn't the Suns have just told me we can't sign you because it's a conflict of interest? They did my interim contract, and they did my other contract. They did two contracts for me. And uh, his final game as a head coach was a 130-88 to loss to the Clippers. Sarver then fired him the very next day. 
And Watson told ESPN it's almost like an ownership thing. He wants people to call him and beg him. So, oh, 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 okay. This goes even further. Uh, in uh-huh. Watson's first year, in Watson's first year as coach of Phoenix, uh, Sarver asked about the state of the organization and where Watson thought it could improve. Watson told Sarver that it suffered from a lack of diversity. Sarver replied, I don't like diversity, according to Watson and a basketball operations staffer with knowledge of the interaction. Uh, Sarver said to Watson that hiring or having a diverse staff made it hard for people to agree. And so this, you know, j- just a lot of this from from what I'm reading here, because I'm I'm kind of repeating myself uh, with stuff that I've, uh, you know, that I'm reading here. But doesn't all of this scream racism? Oh, without a doubt, this is pure racism. I right, what what are your th- what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Because it. It really seems like this is such a toxic atmosphere that Phoenix is yeah. uh, that uh, you know this uh, this Phoenix team is playing under. It is, and it, you know I, I heard about the allegations, and it's just you know I'm very very upset. How do you let someone who's seventeen years you know uh, get away with all this? You know it, that's 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 the most shocking part. Over the course of his career and. This, uh, and they allow this to happen. It just well, doesn't. It that doesn't make any out. sense. Because it never came out. That's why. Well, that's the problem. You know, I always say that you know you should do a background check on who you hire, no matter what his resume says. And you know, it was like this one. They really screwed up. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely uh, ass. Let me put. Let me put it this way. It's. It just it it just isn't a good look whatsoever. Uh, uh, no, for, you know for the uh, for the organization as a whole. So, no. I mean, something tells me something tells me that Sarver's days are numbered. But if yep. if people are actually are are actively saying, you know, you would be appalled. At what you would find if you if you were to ever do an investigation into the Phoenix Suns, well, the NBA is actually doing an active investigation, and when this comes up, you know, once they dig through everything, you got to think that he's probably going to get pushed out of the league, much like uh, much like Donald Sterling was with the LA Clippers. Right. I mean, it's. You know, you you, know, you never thought, Lou, that you could that that we would start with the the stuff that happened in the NFL with uh, John Gruden, yeah. you know, a month ago, and that well, Gruden's a dick. Things and that and that you would and that you know it would seem that week after week we'd be getting one thing after another after another after another, and. You know, we thought, okay, you know, this Phoenix story, obviously there's something, something's going to come of it, and that'll be all said and done. 
now we have another controversy that is popping wow, up. About this a thousand time involving this time involving the Portland Trailblazers as yes. they have launched an independent investigation of their team president Neil Olshey over alleged workplace misconduct according to multiple people with knowledge of the situation. Uh, investigators have reportedly sought answers from employees regarding his workplace demeanor uh, and the organization's handling of the 2020 death of a video assistant, among other topics that, have, that were also uh, under investigation. Uh, the Athletic and Yahoo Sports first reported the investigation, with which the Blazers then confirmed without naming Olshi in a statement. Uh, earlier today, basically saying the Portland Trailblazers organization was recently notified of concerns around the workplace environment by non-player personnel at the practice facility. In response, we immediately engaged O'Melveny and Myers, an outside firm with significant expertise in this area, to conduct a full, fair, and independent review into these concerns and will take appropriate action based on its outcome. While we cannot comment on this, pen, on this pending matter, we are committed to, continu- to continuing to build an organization that positively impacts our colleagues, communities, and the world in which we live and play. Uh, Olshi, who was hired by the Blazers in 2012, and he received a multi-year contract extension uh, a couple years ago in 2019, has yet to comment on this investigation. Uh, during his tenure, the uh, Trailblazers have made the playoffs eight straight years, reaching the conference finals in 2019 for the first time since the year 2000. Uh, but Olshi has faced criticism in recent months. Uh, his decision to hire Chauncey Billups as head coach in June prompted a local backlash in light of his uh, sexual assault allegation back in 1997. Uh, Subsequent reporting also revealed that the Blazers had not contacted Billups' accuser as part of their uh, vetting process and that the organization cut ties with a private investigator involved in the Billups investigation after it was revealed that he had shared pornographic material on Twitter. The investigator, I assume, that is. Uh, Right. Tober the Blazers placed assistant coach Milt Palacio, who was a new member of Billups' staff, on leave after federal prosecutors charged him and 17 other former NBA players with defrauding the league's retirement health care plan. Uh, Portland's, Portland's coaching search process was one of several tension points with franchise star Damian Lillard, who also expressed dissatisfaction with Portland's ability to improve its roster under Olshee. Uh, while Lillard denied that he had made a trade request in July and then recommitted to the Blazers, his future in Portland has remained a major storyline this season, and especially with them entering uh, today at a record of 4-5, and five, with him averaging a career low of 17.8 points per game. Now, uh, in response to, or uh, as far as the organization's response to the investigation's findings, uh, Blazers owner Jody Allen will be responsible uh, after she inherited control of the team following the 2018 death of her billionaire brother 
and Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen. Right. Oh, yeah. And there's also, you know, uh, Jody Allen also isn't clean either, as uh, she had settled a lawsuit following allegations in 2013, in 2013, that she had reportedly sexually harassed her bodyguards, although her attorney had denied those charges at the time. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it, it seems that as uh, at least for at least right now, you know, there's just such a tense environment around the league or, you know, around all the different sports leagues. I mean, you have in the NHL, you have the Chicago Blackhawks with the uh, Kyle Beach incident in the NFL. You got Henry Ruggs. You got uh, John Gruden. Yeah. Both, uh, bo- both uh, coincidentally with the, with the uh, Raiders now in the NBA, you got the Phoenix Suns and you have the Portland Trailblazers uh, with uh, with with issues. I mean, Just you know, Lou, with with all of these with all of these things popping up, you know, who knows how many more issues lie underneath? Is anything sacred anymore? You know, you kind of have to wonder, Lou, what what else is going to potentially pop up next? Free to ask. I mean, do you think do you but think that this comes, is, uh, do you think there's going to be more? If to one come thing from comes this? out, oh, I I don't think we've even scratched the surface yet. I'm sorry to say, but you know, if one does come out, then another will come out, and then another. It's just a never-ending cycle. Yeah, it's. I mean, I honestly, I'm I'm kind of speechless. You know, I I would have thought that with the whole, uh, with the whole Donald Sterling uh, fiasco in, uh, in with the L.A. Clippers, you would think that people would have learned from from uh, from that incident. No, that's a problem. But, they don't learn, and it's 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 carried over and escalated something you know even worse. Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's uh obviously there's gonna it's gonna take some time uh for both of these uh yeah. both of these issues to play out, but you know, you kinda have to wonder what may potentially happen with Damian Lillard with the Portland Trailblazers if it does turn out that there is something going on there and Let's say they don't move on from Olshi, because Lillard had butted heads with Olshi over uh, over the direction that the team was headed. Yes. Could we potentially see another trade request, or more like a trade demand, uh, come out of uh, come out of Lillard uh, as maybe maybe once we get closer to the trade deadline? I'll sign for you in two words. Hell yeah. You think he's gonna? You think he's gonna stay under those conditions? You know what happened? Uh uh-uh. uh He's like, I'm out of here. You know, it's almost the same thing too with uh, uh, with the Phoenix Suns. You know, DeAndre Ayton, he uh, he couldn't agree to terms with the Suns on an extension mm-hmm. off of his rookie contract. You know, with uh, with with their uh, with 
with their owner being under, uh, you know, being under investigation for racism and sexism, you kind of have to wonder if maybe perhaps uh, DeAndre Ayton may say, you know, if you guys want me, uh, if you guys want me to stay in Phoenix, Sarver's going to have to step down. Right. I mean, I just can't think of how could anybody possibly stay on there, and boggles my mind too, Stan. You know, especially with a granted, uh, considering a majority of their players are black. You know, how can they? How how can they stay on? Uh, stay in there, especially Chris Paul, who signed a multi-year extension. In the off season, yes. And you know you got your young studs, uh, Devonte Booker or not Devonte. Uh, man, I don't know why I said Devonte Booker. Devin Booker, and yes. uh, and you know Aiton. I mean, you got you got to think that there's going to be some sort of pushback if uh, eventually. Yeah. Over the whole Sarver uh, news. I mean, it's bad when you have a former. Granted, the former general manager may be bitter, but it's bad when you have a former general manager uh, release a video statement, basically siding with the players and you know uh, telling the players to stick through this and. Uh, and whatnot, and reassure the players that he is on their side. And yet he didn't even mention the owner. He didn't even, you know, say, oh, this isn't true and whatnot. And this is a lot, you know, you could argue that this is the, the general manager who essentially built this roster that the Phoenix Suns currently have. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, this whole entire situation is just ugly overall, and sure. you know, I would not be shocked at all uh, if more stuff comes out of this, especially if the oh, no, if the no. Washington football if the Washington football team findings ever get uh, ever get released. Who knows how many? Because uh, because you know there there. Are, uh, teams communicate with with teams in other leagues, you know, not just football. Uh, you know, football and football. Uh, the owners are friends with other league owners, so I have a feeling that if the Washington football team allegation or findings ever get released, oh, we yeah. could see a hell. We could see a hell of a lot more uh, things pop up here. Oh, we will. Let's go over to the World Series. As we discussed this last week, Lou, uh, when we were in the middle of, what was it, game four, I think? Game four, yes. It was game four when we were on the air. And, you know, we, we discussed this, that if, if Houston can't win game four, that this could be a potential 
you know, a potential season ender for Houston, even though Houston is dangerous uh, when, when, when playing from behind in a series, but it turned out to really be a, uh, I mean, Houston had, had one more game in them, you know, taking game five, but then game six, they got absolutely stymied by Max Freed pitching six scoreless innings, uh, all the while getting his, uh, getting his foot stomped on by one of the, uh, uh, by one of the Astros in a uh, in a attempted out at first uh, an attempted play at first base early on in the first inning, and ultimately uh, Atlanta ended up winning seven to nothing and taking the series four games to two, uh, with Jorge Soler being named the World Series wow. MVP for the many for the many moonshots that he hit in this. Uh, in this World Series this year. I, what are your thoughts, Lou, on uh, Atlanta pretty much completing the the Cinderella season, where nobody say that. had them. Nobody had them winning nope. the World Series, let alone making the playoffs. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, because you know they were. When you look back in June. Um, after Acuna went down, I'm like, that's it. They're done. There's no way in hell they're going to, you know, come out of this. And you know, sudden, and the Mets were dominating at the time, but then the injuries, you know, piled up. And then Atlanta was able to get on this streak uh, since um, mid-August and took over from there. But you had to ask yourself, you were, you know, up against incredible odds. You played against the Giants, who were the best team in the league. The Dodgers were second. And, like, you know, you got a mountain to climb. I don't think it's going to be possible. But somehow they found a way to do it. And, you know, this is like, you know, like right up there with the 69 Mets. This was a miracle season. And, yeah. you know, I, a, lot, were, a lot of fans were stunned. And, like, this is, you know, it was like a miracle has happened. And it, and it did. That was my exact words when the final out was made. But I'm just happy yeah, that they was, beat the cheaters. It was a it was a Cinderella off or a Cinderella postseason and a Cinderella season. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. With not only did they they not only did they clinch the National League East, they were six game six and a half games ahead of the second place uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, right. They faced the Milwaukee. They faced the Milwaukee Brewers in the division series. They faced the L.A. Dodgers in the championship series for the second straight year, uh, eventually beating the Dodgers in six games to reach the World Series for the first time since 1999. And they ended up winning in six games against the Houston Astros, winning their first World Series since 1995. And it's their their second World Series win since moving to Atlanta – and their fourth in franchise history ever since they were, of course, the Boston Braves as well. Boston. Yep. Right. Uh, and Jorge, well, you know, as I said, Jorge Soler, he won the uh, he won the World Series MVP. Yeah. Well, and we we have a saying on one of the shows I other do, uh, Money Eyes. Who is the only team that the, that the Dodgers can beat? The Dodgers themselves. You know, because uh, eventually they do beat themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Ralph, you were right. 
Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, there's uh, there were there were two teams who beat the Dodgers. It was both it was both the uh, the Braves and the Dodgers themselves. Uh, you know, you also have to look at too exactly what happened this year for the Braves uh, to get them to where they to get them to where they were for winning the world. Uh, you know, winning the uh, the World Series. They signed their ace Charlie Morton to a one-year, fifteen million dollar contract in the offseason. Uh, they had also right. signed Drew Smiley. They signed Drew Smiley to a one-year deal. They signed Josh Tomlin, uh, which included a club option for next year as well. Uh, now, granted, Marcelo Zuna, they had re-signed him to a four-year deal. Uh, he ended up getting put on the exempt list uh, on May 28th after he was arrested and charged with aggravated assault by strangulation as well as battery after police yes. alleged, allegedly witnessed him grabbing his wife by the neck and throwing her against the wall. Uh, okay. So, ultimately, you know, he didn't factor in at all to their uh, World Series win. Uh, he is not recognized no. as a World Series. Uh, he is not recognized as a World Series champion. Um, actually, let me take a look. Because there is, there's also uh, a whole bunch of trades that they had made, and uh, you know when it uh, at the uh, at the trade deadline, yeah. which <laughs> essentially shaped their entire team, and. Oh, you know what? Another thing too is the. Uh, it's funny that Alex Anthopoulos, their general manager, he caught so much shit for uh, for you know when he was the general manager of the Toronto uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, mm-hmm. and yet and yet this World Series win was basically a gigantic middle finger to the Blue Jays organization by uh, by Anthopoulos yeah. because they didn't believe. They didn't believe that he could put together a winning team. But take a look at some of these take a look at some of these deadline acquisitions though. They acquired one of the hottest hitters in this uh, in this postseason, Eddie Rosario, in exchange for only Pablo Sandoval. All they had to do was give up Sandoval, who ended up being released and re-signed with the uh, with the Braves, anyways. And by the way, it's it's very hard to believe that Sandoval is a four-time World Series champion, but here we are. Um, yes, you know Rosa- Rosario at the time that he was traded over seventy-eight games for Cleveland. Uh, he was batting two fifty-four with seven homers and forty-six RBIs. Uh, and also, he was on the 10-day injured list, I believe, at the time uh, that he was traded. He was one of the key players for this uh, for this Atlanta Braves team in the postseason, which obviously included uh, the uh, multiple homers that he had in the uh, National League Championship Series as well. 
then they also acquired Adam Duval from the Miami Marlins in exchange for Alex Jackson. Uh, Duval at the time had batted 229 with 22 homers for the Marlins, uh, which were tied at the time for seventh most in the National League. And he also had 68 RBIs, uh, where he ranked fifth in the National League at the time of the trade. Uh, Man, and then they weren't done because then they acquired the eventual World Series MVP Jorge Soler from the Kansas Soler. City Royals in exchange in exchange for uh, right-handed pitcher Casey Kalick. Soler at the time was batting 192 with 13 homers for the Royals. Then they acquired Richard Rodriguez for the bullpen. Uh, in exchange for Bryce Wilson and Ricky DeVito, uh, which those two went to the Portland Pirates. So they didn't really give up that much, and I believe the total amount of money that they uh, that they added on was like ten million dollars, ten to twelve million dollars total between all of these acquisitions, and yet these are all key players that brought them a World Series victory. I mean, what, yeah. what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Lou? Because to me, I mean, this would scream, first off, for Alex Anthopoulos, this would scream executive of the year. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't see anybody else. I don't see anybody else who should get executive of the year uh, no, after no. – after all these acquisitions, and then you basically give up essentially nothing to acquire all these guys. And now you have a World Series because of it. You, you, plus, not, not to mention the injury to Ronald Acuna Jr., which put him out for the entire year. Yep. And the Atlanta Braves end up going on to win the World Series. This I, mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think, Lou, this, I don't think this is something that we may ever see for quite some time. Or maybe it's going to be a new trend. Could it be a new trend? Could it be the start of a new trend? It might be. You know, I mean, there's been some, you know, interesting teams have won championships. I mean, if you look at the Kings, what they did back in 2012, I mean, they had a, they had a shit season. They won the Stanley Cup anyway. Yeah. That's true. So That's true because of, uh, primarily, because, primarily because of the work of Jonathan Quick in that. Yeah, that's right. I still remember that. I still remember he got signed out of UMass midseason and ultimately uh, – Ultimately, the next season, which ended up being the 2012 season, uh, he ended up going straight to the main roster. Yep. Yeah, I still I still remember that because um, I had I had uh, because I was uh, doing work for um, an internship. Uh, I had actually seen a couple of uh, I had seen yeah. a couple of you know. 
um, a couple of games at UMass Amherst uh, that he played at. We have so, we have seen this uh, before, so this might be a sign of things to come. Possibly, but it's not. You know, you don't really see this every year. I guess is what I'm saying. Right. You know, you don't see this every year, so I mean, maybe it could potentially be a sign of things to come. Because keep in mind, there's also going to be a work stoppage that's going to be uh, coming forth for for Major League Baseball. You and know, I want to get your thoughts uh, on that, knows? actually. Um, now, I was thinking about, I was thinking about, um, it's likely, you know, that it is going to be a work stoppage, you know, because, you know, the owners and the players, you know, are just, you know, bitching at each other like, like we expected. But, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, I take opinions on like how long you think it would last. I mean, some people think it would last maybe like uh, the whole season. Some people might think it might last, you know, through like um, the first part. Of it. I don't think MLB is that stupid to have it, to have this go by without a resolution before the season's over. I don't think they'd be that, you know, but that because you know what they went through back in '94 and canceling the World Series, and then they came to a compromise. Um, after 9/11, you know that bombs more time. You would think they would learn from the pandemic, you know how how that season got cut short. It would, it would be incredibly stupid for them to have this go by for a full season and, and lock them out. I think that um, by uh, June, I think that I think they can resolve this. I don't think they would. I don't think they would let a whole season go by and lose all that money. And you know, I think Fox would be pretty pissed off for like because you know. Because they signed an eight-year uh, deal to televise, you know, uh, Major League Baseball, and they do get a lot of oh boy, it's Fox is going to get pissed. Oh yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, well, there is one bright side to that. We want to hear Joe Buck. Yes, that's true. That's true. We won't right have you. to hear Joe Buck, but that also means we wouldn't be able to hear John Smoltz, which is kind of uh, kind of depressing to think about because John Smoltz was actually pretty good as the. Uh, uh, you know, he, he was pretty good as the uh, uh, right. color commentary. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, when it comes to the work stoppage, uh, it all depends on whether or not either side is willing to budge. Because mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, Tony Clark isn't going to budge for the player's side, the executive director of the Players no. Association. He ain't going to budge. I heard. He didn't budge. He didn't budge on this last, uh, you know, the last issue that they had when it came to right. uh, when it came to how they were going to deal with the reopening uh, for COVID and whatnot. Uh, he didn't budge at all on that. The MB, or the uh, Major League Baseball and the owners had to budge. So, yeah, I'm telling you right now, if there it, 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 there is a distinct possibility. Even though they're expressing optimism right now that a deal can be that a, a deal will be made, I would not be shocked at all if we see extended, uh, you know, an extended time, uh, an extended amount of time missed. I'm not saying the yeah, whole. Yeah, I mean, season, I th- but I think opening day is shot. You know, on time. I think on time opening day isn't going to happen. But no, no, I'm not no. going to rule out. You know. But I don't think they would cancel the whole season. I I really don't. 
No, I uh, I don't think canceling the whole season is in the cards right now. I think if anything, maybe we'll yeah. have another shortened season. Uh, but yeah. canceling the season, no, I don't see them doing that. No, but, I uh, you surprised. know there are some there are some of those naysayers out there who believe that you know well, I don't think we'll see a a twenty twenty two season. Yeah, I'm not I'm not buying yeah. that. No, I would be surprised, honestly, if uh, if there was a uh, cancellation. If there was a cancellation of the season, uh, I would be very surprised because, yeah. you know, especially you know, like you said, with them having just signed that new media rights deal, uh, they risk pissing off all of their all of their big name. Uh, you know all of the yeah. big name networks like uh, like TBS, uh, ESPN, and Fox. They risk pissing off all those networks. Uh, so, and maybe perhaps they may potentially retract uh, their offers or their deals that had yeah. been done. So, I think more than likely, yeah, we'll probably see uh, a season, even if it is a shortened season. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that, I don't know. When it, when it comes to that, I don't know. You know how how shortened it would actually be. Uh, but if there is going to be somebody who blinks, I can tell you right now, it's not going to be the players' side because nope. Tony Clark he doesn't blink. He never no. blinks when it comes to out. And it I don't even want to uh, say because you're sorry when I ask goodbye. Yeah. I mean, he was willing, he was willing to play hardball when uh they were discussing the whole COVID protocols. So you know, that should kind of tell you something. The players, you know, the 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 players and the players association, they were willing to sit out the entire year uh if they could not come to an agreement for uh or if the uh right. the owners wouldn't bend to the players' yeah. demands. Which included, you know, the DH for the National League. You got, you kind of have to wonder if that may come into play again as well. Uh, with I wouldn't be surprised at all. With, of course, you know, uh, the owners want there to be only they they want there to only be a DH for the American League and keep the National League the way that it is. Uh, I would assume that probably the current the current uh, extra innings format would probably come into play as well. As a matter of fact, Keep I'm it. expecting it. I'm expecting it'll probably come into play uh, when it comes to the uh, negotiations. Keep the rule. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. You know, just as long like as. It. Just as long as they don't touch the postseason. When it comes to the postseason, you go back to right, the right. Uh, regular. You go back to the regular rule of, uh, right. you know, you start out with a clean inning as opposed to a runner on second base. Right. But regular season, reg- regular season, I don't mind it. Do it. But I think that will probably come into play. I think what will also come into play is they're probably going to uh, discuss the whole housing thing again. 
for the minor leagues because yeah. the Players Association also represents the minor league system too. So um, that's probably going to come into play as well. Oh, geez, look at this. Uh, there's, there's also, you know, there's multiple factors that are going to come into play. Oh, we do have, you know what, we have quite a, oh, my God, quite a few upsets right now. Um, yeah. Looking at college football right now, uh, Tennessee is about to upset. Well, I don't know where Kentucky is right now. Oh, they're, yeah, they might actually tie it up. Uh, Kentucky is third and 10 on Tennessee's 38. Uh, they're currently down by three. So, but they are in field goal range, so maybe that might go to overtime. Uh, Fresno State is losing big time to Boise State, forty to fourteen. Oh dear! And this may put Fresno State. This may put Fresno State out of the rankings entirely. Uh, assuming this, uh, I mean, it's obvious the score is going to stay final, uh, forty to fourteen, because there's only about. Uh, a minute, 10 seconds left. Uh, let's You're see. Done. Arkansas, Arkansas upset 17th ranked Mississippi State 31-28 earlier today. After, yes. T- tell me how this, tell me how this makes sense, Lou. Now you're okay. Your kicker for the day. He missed, yeah. uh, he missed a 28, a 28 or inside the 30 yard line attempt. Uh, at a field goal, but he made a 46-yarder, a 46 or 48-yarder he had made. Yeah, I don't get that. You you have the chance to tie the game, and you choose to go with a guy who's who, who, uh, you know, he was probably a freshman, I think, and this is his first official kick for Mississippi State. And, of course, he ended up missing. He ended up missing, which gave Arkansas the uh, the thirty one twenty eight win. Aren't you supposed yeah. to stick with your guy? You better. Well, I really just want to give this guy a chance to see what he can do, but uh, that was not the right moment. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sorry. Usually, if you're a freshman, you're usually a red shirt. Yes. So I don't understand why. They wouldn't. I mean, granted, their regular kicker was one for two, but I mean, you can miss you can miss kicks inside the inside the thirty yard line. You can miss kicks from twenty eight, but yet make them from yes, from forty eight. You, you know, so I just I don't understand why they decided to go uh, with their uh, with a kicker who had never kicked before before uh, today. Yeah. However, that too. wasn't the big. That wasn't the big upset of the day, though, as there were two nope. huge, two huge upsets of the day. Uh, the first one by Purdue over Michigan State, forty to twenty-nine. Yes, I mean, my God, I, I definitely didn't see it coming whatsoever. Uh, a forty to twenty-nine win by the by the Purdue Boilermakers over third-ranked Michigan State. So this is likely going to After take beating Michigan, Michigan out of the drawer. Okay. I think this is probably going to take them out of the college football playoff, at least for the time being. 
Yes, yes. Um, then you have North Carolina with a three-point win over ninth-ranked Wake Forest, 58-55. to 55. So Wake Forest is no longer unbeaten. Wake then you have – Well, the way I see it, Wake isn't – you know, I don't really think of Wake as a football school. That's more of a basketball school uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, they are – they are usually more of a basketball school, but I think it's yes. I think it says something, you know, when you have a team that's unbeaten in football this year, and you know, with how poorly North Carolina has played, you would think that this would be that this would be a uh, a good win for Wake Forest, yeah. and instead they end up losing it. To North Carolina, but that wasn't the that wasn't the end of the upsets though. As Baylor then got upset uh, earlier today by TCU, thirty to twenty eight. Again, basketball school. Yeah, another uh, again another basketball school, uh, but still they were ranked. Twentieth uh, ranked Minnesota only put up only put up six points on Illinois as Illinois beat them fourteen to six. I mean, we saw quite a few upsets today, and actually, let me look. Oh, uh, you know, one th- one thing I can say: uh, Boston College uh, they rebounded from. Uh, multiple losses that they've taken over the last couple of weeks, uh, thanks to the return of uh, their of their primary starting quarterback. So they yeah. beat Virginia Tech uh, seventeen to three earlier earlier uh, yesterday, actually. So Boston College is back on the winning track, uh, which kind of kind of makes you think Eagles. that the reason why they the reason why they did lose is because the reason why they lost these last couple of weeks is because the fact that they didn't even have their, they didn't have their regular starting quarterback. Right. Uh, let's see some other notable, notable scores from college football today. Uh, Texas A&M with a 20 to three victory over Auburn. Uh, so Auburn's uh, Auburn's rise has come to a stop, uh, at least as far as today goes. Uh, Cincinnati rebounds with a 28 to 20 victory over Tulsa. Well, actually, they beat Tulane last week, anyways. But uh, Nebraska drops a 26 to 17 uh, 26 to 17 loss to Ohio State. Alabama just narrowly beat LSU 20 to 14, which, you know, talking about controversies, LSU is within their own controversy uh, right now involving uh, Coach O. Uh, Let's see, Georgia, they beat the shit out of Missouri 43 to 6. And actually, you know what? Probably the bigger thing to talk about is the college football playoff rankings. Oh yeah, yeah. That were released. And on Tuesday. You have 
the top the top six teams were Georgia, not a shock. Alabama, no. not a shock. No. No. Michigan Michigan State, not a shock, I guess, maybe. Could you say no, not a shock loss. maybe for well, yeah, before today's loss, obviously. Uh then you had Oregon uh at number four. And on the outside you and on the outside you had Ohio State and Cincinnati. Now I would think with the with the season that Cincinnati has had this year, you would think that they would have been in at least the top four. Yes, but the committee did thinks it's still a shit conference because it's not really a competitive conference. That's why they got, you know, the lower ranking. I mean it only takes, you know, uh, Cincinnati seriously in that conference, the ACK as I like to call it, and it doesn't get the re- doesn't get the respect. So that's why uh, they are where they are. So true. Hurt, uh, disappointed as I am. Surprised? No. You know how the committee operates. Uh, other other teams that were on the outside. Uh, you had Michigan. Uh, of, co- of course, you know, the big reason because Michigan lost to Michigan State, if Michigan right, had beat right. Michigan State, they would probably be at number three. Uh, but Michigan, they were at number seven. Oklahoma, who was 9-0, and was at number eight. And, of course, you had Wake Forest at number nine uh, with Notre Dame at number 10. And that was in the college football playoff rankings. Now, as far as the AP yeah. rankings go, Cincinnati was at number two. Yeah. And they're at number six in the college football playoff rankings. Told you. But, of course, like you said, it's a, it's a, weak, uh, a weak conference that they're in. Yes. So that would probably play a role. Um, oh, Absolutely. As it looks, right now it looks like the SEC title game is probably going to be Georgia and Alabama, more than likely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would assume, you know, obviously Michigan State, they're going to drop out of the top four in the college football playoff probably. Yep. Uh, Who do you think could possibly replace them between Ohio State and Cincinnati? Well, let's look at the let's look at the top ten. I mean, we can you know, we can we can think of that. I really think Cincinnati should be ranked higher. To be honest, yeah, with that. I was kind of surprised. I was kind of surprised. I, I did not see them being at number six. Uh, I mean, granted, maybe part of it has to do with their struggling offense that they've had over. Uh, you know, over the past couple of games, I mean, people would yeah. ar- some people would argue uh, that their offense got exposed a little bit with uh, mm-hmm. with how few points they were able to put up against teams that supposedly, you know, you would expect them to do good against. But you know, I don't know. Um, It'll be interesting. Uh, when when do the rankings come out? Tuesday? Uh, yes, the first part did come out uh, this past Tuesday. 
Oh, it'll be interesting. Ooh, what a what a game-winning three-pointer by Doncic at the buzzer. At the oh, buzzer God. and two men in his face. And not to mention he was leaning back. He was being forced out. Oh, wait a minute. Are they look? Are they? Wait, what shall you uh, Marcus? Uh, I wonder if they're. I wonder if they're going to look at this because Marcus Smart was. Uh, the ref was. Uh, the ref was saying something to Smart like they were going to look at it. Nope, nope. It's made official. Uh, the Mavericks. Oh, wait, what channel you got on? Uh, I've got it on NBC Sports Boston. Okay, that's probably why I don't have it. But I was looking at the. Uh, you know, I was looking at the reaction they were showing uh, with. Uh, the ref explaining something to Marcus Smart, but you know maybe I thought maybe they were uh, maybe they it, it sounded like the ref, or it looked like the ref was going to look at it, but uh, nope, uh, it stays final. Uh, the Mavericks win one hundred seven to one hundred four, <sighs> pushing Boston back down to four and six. Jesus, I. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know what the hell is wrong with this team, but uh, I guess Jason yeah. Tatum came to play. Uh, Jason Tatum came to play tonight, thirty-two points. Uh, Dennis Schroeder came to play, twenty points. Robert Williams had sixteen. Al Horford with fourteen. Of course, they didn't have Jalen Brown because he's dealing with a, a hamstring issue. Uh, and it looks like the only person who really even showed up tonight on their bench was uh, Jason Richardson. That's it. Or Josh Richardson, I mean. Right. Uh, so, yep, that's pretty much the only person that really showed up. Uh, but right now, from what it looks like in the standings, uh, the 76ers, they beat the Chicago Bulls today. So uh, they stand atop the East at eight and two, uh, followed by Miami at seven and two. What what was that? And their saga continues. Yes. Oh, yes, with Ben Simmons. That's right. Yeah. They're continuing. They're continuing to fine him, I believe. Right. Uh, Yeah. Thirty. He was fined thirty-six thousand dollars. So they're basically going to fine him every single game that he misses, which means that yes. they'll probably be fine. They may potentially be fining him for the next four years, essentially. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Because as Daryl as Daryl Morey put it, it could be a four year saga that this uh, goes on for, um, because Philadelphia does not want to lower. Because Philadelphia does not want to lower their astronomical asking price. No. Uh, the Miami Heat they sit uh, in second at seven and two. The Chicago Bulls we have a we have a four way tie, all the way down from number three to number six, uh, with the yeah. Bulls, the Nets, the Bulls, the Nets, the Wizards, and the Knicks are all at six and three. Uh, then you have okay. the Cavaliers and the Raptors at six and four, with the Hornets at five and five and the Milwaukee Bucks at four and five. So right now, 
your four play-in teams are Cleveland, Toronto, Charlotte, and Milwaukee for the East. For the West, you have you have the play-in teams as Denver, Sacramento, uh, the Clippers, and the Trailblazers. With uh, the six teams that are currently locked in, uh, I mean, assuming the playoffs were to start today, obviously, uh, keep in mind, these standings are going to change. Um, yeah. You have the Golden State Warriors atop the West at 7-1, and one, the Utah Jazz at 7-2, and two, uh, the Dallas Mavericks, they just won, so they improved to 6-3, and three. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, they're at 4-3, and three which I, I just have to assume that the only reason they're number four right now is because of win percentage. Um, the L.A. Lakers, they sit at five and four. And the Memphis Grizzlies sit at five and four. Uh, they're both in the five and six positions. Actually, you know, they're tied with Denver and Sacramento, who are both five and four, but yet they're uh, they're in the... Uh, play-in tournament right now if, say, the season were to end today. Uh-oh. And uh, some other teams who are basically eliminated already, the Houston Rockets and New Orleans Pelicans have only one win apiece. Uh, Oklahoma City and San Antonio have, have two and three wins apiece. Uh, the same with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the Detroit Pistons in the East only have uh, one win with Orlando having two wins. So uh, needless to say, I think there are certain teams that just haven't changed, period. So, you know, it's for some teams it's going to be the same old, same old. But I do find it kind of intriguing that the Cleveland Cavaliers are – actually looking like a good team so far this year. So far. Despite all the turnover that they've had. I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts, Lou, on where the uh on uh where the NBA currently stands right now? Right now I'm you know, this is kind of I think kind of a bit of a shock here right now. How the East is uh doing better than the West right now. I mean, you know, for many years it's been reversed, but uh, the East has uh, certainly picked up, you know, especially with the uh, Nets and the Knicks doing well. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, surprised by all this. I just hope that the uh, trend can continue. Yeah, it, you know, how, how would that be for for a, you know, a reversal for? Um... Long time coming, Steve. Long time coming. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's quite the uh, quite the long time the long time coming for um, you know for the East to finally see, seemingly uh, you know uh, even itself out with the Western Conference. I think what's really surprising, though, although you could technically say I guess that maybe a lot of this has to do with uh, with Steph Curry. Uh, but I am very surprised right now by the Golden State Warriors. I mean, you look at their average; they are third. They are third in the league at points per game with 113.1. Uh, 
they are second in the league in rebounds per game with 49.6 rebounds per game. First in the league in assists with 30.1 assists per game. And OPPG, I believe that means opponent points per game. They have limited opponents to 99.4 points per game, which is good for second among all NBA teams. I mean, good God. Yeah, you know, we go. You know, considering where the Golden State Warriors have been over the past couple of years, and this is, keep in mind, this is all without Clay Thompson. Imagine what happens when they get, imagine what happens when they get Clay Thompson back. But I mean, right now, you know, they got stuck. It'll be a dangerous team, Steve. It'll be a very dangerous team when he gets back. Yeah. I mean, right now, you got Steph Curry, you got uh, Draymond Green, you got uh, Andrew Wiggins, and you have Jordan Poole uh, currently as your as your primary offensive players. And keep in mind, they also don't have James Wiseman right now, as he's currently dealing with an injury. Right. They don't have James Wiseman. Uh, as far as they, they've also got Gary Payton the second uh, on their bench. They got uh, Nananja uh-huh. Bajelica, like uh, Andre, the return of Andre Iguodala on their bench. Uh, you know, obviously they have Moses Moody, who was the, uh, I think he was, he was a mid round or a mid uh, first round pick this year, right? I think. Yes. Moses, wait, let me see. Yeah, the 14th, the 14th pick in the first round this year. So, uh, you know, obviously once he officially gets his uh gets his feet wet and everything, um he could uh essentially develop into uh into quite the scorer off the bench. I mean, the fact that he's the fact that rookies are even getting playing time uh, this early on in the season, I think, if anything, really speaks to Golden State's depth that they currently have. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, Lou? You know, they bring if they bring back Clay Thompson, are we potentially looking at a uh, at a potential championship team here with Golden State? Oh yeah, oh definitely. That's what they need. I mean, you bring back Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson back, that team is going to be on fire. Yeah, you bring back Clay Thompson, you bring back James Wiseman, and yeah, all of a yeah. sudden, all of a sudden, you know, you've got you've got yourself uh, you've got yourself a star, uh, you know, the starting five that they were envisioning that they were going to have before of course the Clay Thompson uh re injury I should say went uh ended up happening. Right, yes. Uh let's see. We do have uh by the way, Tennessee they did end up hanging on to beat Kentucky. So uh forty five to forty two, number eighteen yep. Kentucky goes down. 
Uh, Clemson, they beat Louisville 30-24. to uh, South Carolina beat Florida 40-17. to uh, Fourth-ranked Oregon currently holds an eight-point lead with two and a half minutes to go over Washington. And they're in Washington territory, so it looks like they're going to extend that lead. Um, Michigan, they beat Indiana 29-7, to so they're probably going to move up. I uh, would not be shocked at all if maybe perhaps they jump into the top five. Or jump back Maybe. into the top five, I should say. Uh, let's see. Oh, we do have. Um, you know what? I I should we we should uh, go back to uh, the NFL for a little bit here because big news around the NFL. You know, I I was going to talk about this earlier, but for some reason I completely forgot about it. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has officially yes. been put on waivers by the Browns effective Monday. He uh, teams will officially be able to try to uh, attempt to claim him. And what could perhaps be, you know, the last thing that, uh, that the Cleveland Browns needed to begin with. Yeah. And, I, you know, I mean, th- this has been a very tumultuous uh, period or era for the Cleveland Browns with uh, with them getting Odell Beckham Jr. He ends up getting injured. Yes. He misses most of his uh, most of his time with Cleveland. It just it really seems like he ne- they never developed chemistry between him and Baker Mayfield. No. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts, Lou? You know, where where do you think Odell Beckham may potentially end up? I don't know. I mean, at the top of this, you know, I haven't heard really any offers or anything. So, you know, he might be just he might be just uh, you know without a team right now. I haven't heard anybody who's who's got a claim. You know, Obeckham started out well with that one play, and then ever since then, he's just been, you know, all help was losing his career has, you know, suffered since then. So it's uh, really tough to say. I mean, yeah. how do the guy with so it's much just problems just collapse just like that? Yeah, it's it's literally just been that one, uh, you know, that one play essentially turned him into a star, and then after that, you know, it's, been like what have you done lately essentially or put this way from a stud to a dud yeah i mean you take a look at the current uh claiming order uh the current waiver order detroit obviously with them being the worst team in the league they get first pick or first grabs if they choose if they choose to which uh honestly if you're odell beckham jr and you get claimed by detroit just retire you know don't I yeah. wouldn't want to play for Detroit at this point because uh, it As seems like every left. yeah it it seems like every game for them is basically a moral victory even if they lose as as long as they get yeah. close to a potential win it's considered a moral victory. Uh, Miami depending on how you define moral victory though of course yeah. You know, Miami, I guess maybe he may benefit from a move to Miami because, you know, 
part of the reason why Miami sucks so badly is that they can't they just don't have the offensive weapons uh to uh build around Tua. I mean all they all they really have uh is uh Jalen Waddle from Alabama. That's really it and Mike Gesicki. Uh Houston I I mean let's face it, nothing's gonna save Houston at this point, so that's uh, uh no. It would basically be a waste for uh, for Beckham to get claimed by Houston. Jacksonville, you know, they did lose DJ Chark, so Beckham would probably get number one. He would probably be number one on the on their roster when it comes to uh, wide receivers. Uh, then there's the Jets with the uh, with you know he would join Corey Davis out there in that wide receiver uh, group. And with yep. the emergence of Mike White all of a sudden, you know what, let's talk about that, actually. Well, could, there be a, could there be a quarterback controversy between White and, uh, and Zach Wilson? Yeah, there could be. Well, Wilson's, uh, Wilson's banged up. And, you know, I mean, you know, White got injured last, uh, last week's game, although he could be back, you know, next week. So uh, there yeah. might be a controversy here. I mean, he could be back next week. He could be back next week. He is injured, but I mean, let's keep in mind Zach Wilson when he was healthy, he wasn't putting yeah. up the numbers that Mike White has already put up. No, no, he hasn't. That's what worried no, me about when we got Wilson. Yeah, he he hasn't put up anywhere close to what Mike White has put up. And keep in mind, this is a guy who has been in the league for four years and never saw any bit of NFL action whatsoever until this, uh, until, you know, uh, Zach Wilson got injured against the Patriots. Right. I mean, Mike White, if anything, he looks more like a, like an NFL quarterback than Wilson does compared considering the numbers that Wilson, I mean, the numbers are so bad that the NFL on NFL.com, they don't even put up the stat line for Wilson for every game. Because I, I always look, you know, I look for the quarterback numbers and I'm like, where's Will, where's Wilson? You know, all I see, the, the New York Jets, they start out with the rushing, uh, the rushing stats. I'm like, where's Wilson? You know, I try to, I try to follow uh, the stat lines of certain guys, but I don't see Wilson anywhere. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You then you got the New York Giants at number six. Could a reunion potentially be in the works? Well, I don't think that far. Uh, you know, you got Washington at number seven. You got uh, Philadelphia at number eight. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Odell Beckham. Odell, uh, I can't speak. Odell Beckham Jr. Odell would Beckham. be a pretty good. Uh, he'd be a pretty good acquisition for Jalen Hurts. Maybe. You know, you got you got Devontae Smith to throw to and now you'll have Odell Beckham Jr. I mean that's a that's a that's a great one two punch assuming uh uh you know Beckham goes back to being uh the player that that he uh that we know he can be. You got Seattle at nine, you know, obviously once Russell Wilson gets back if he if yeah. he returns this season, you know that would be a huge uh, a huge weapon for for Russell Wilson. 
Chicago, you know, you got Atlanta, then San Francisco, Minnesota, Indianapolis, you got New England at number 15. I mean, imagine imagine Mac Jones getting the chance to throw to, to Oda Beckham Jr. Yeah. Just forget that. I mean, if if he were to somehow miraculously drop to number 15 and Bill were to make a claim on him, because there is – there has been long documented mutual interest between Odell Beckham Jr. and the Patriots. And your current receivers, you have Nelson Aguilar, you have Kendrick Bourne, and you have Jacoby Myers as your top three receivers. You bring in Odell Beckham Jr., Myers actually drops to number four. And who knows, you may reshuffle the top three. But that all of a sudden looks like a uh, looks like a terrifying New England offense. Yes. And, I mean, I, I, I would find it hard to believe that of the 32 teams that are listed here, I would find it hard to believe that he would fall or that he would get anywhere – uh, you know, to where he wouldn't uh, get claimed by by any team. He has to get right. claimed by somebody. He should. I mean, I I would find it hard to believe if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't get claimed by anybody on uh, on waivers here. Uh, let's see. So. Basically, throughout this whole time, throughout this whole week, he was basically left excused from practice, and he was basically told by Kevin Stefanski, you know, don't even come in, just don't even report, just stay at home. So, I mean, it's been it's been a completely botched relationship from the very beginning, anyways. Screwed up, huh? Yeah. Uh, we had yeah. some big injuries. We we had some big injuries this week, and we also had some big trades as well this week. Uh, yes, first we off, the Titans. The Titans they will be without Derrick Henry, their stud running back, for six to ten weeks. Uh, a more realistic timeline, though, according to Ian Rappaport, would be eight to ten weeks. But uh, it says here that Henry could return within a month and a half if he really pushes it. Uh, right. Because of this, and, and it says here that he suffered a Jones fracture uh, on his foot, which is uh, one of the, I think it's one of the metacarpals or something on the foot. Oh, um, right. Because of this, they then signed Adrian Peterson, uh, who I'm surprised is still a free agent. Uh, was still a free agent heading into this season. Uh, He was signed initially to the practice squad. Then he got elevated to the active roster um, earlier this, uh, you know, earlier this week. Uh, Not just that, Jameis Winston, he suffered a torn ACL against the Buccaneers uh, for the Saints last week. He will be out the entire rest of the season. So now mm-hmm. the Saints are basically forced to go with Taysom Hill as their, as their starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. 
Uh, however, Hill is out with a, uh, I believe he's out with a concussion, and he hasn't played since week five. So if he is still out, Trevor Simeon will then be the New Orleans Saints starter, and he hasn't started since he was the starter for Denver. Now, as far as acquisitions go, oh, man, oh, man, as if the, as if the L.A. Rams defense wasn't stacked up as it is. They, oh, acquired Von, they acquired Von Miller from the Denver Von Broncos in exchange, in exchange for a second and a third round pick this year. An eight-time Pro Bowler who had 62 sacks from 2014 to 2018 will join a defensive line with the destroyer of worlds known as Aaron Donald. He, he'll be right opposite of Aaron Donald, actually. Yes. Uh, and not to mention, they also have Jalen Ramsey on that same on that same defense as well. I mean, my God, Lou, it, could you think of any more terrifying of a defense to potentially go up against? No, I don't think I can. It's pretty stacked up. I mean, L.A., you know, for for them to go out and make the moves that they've done so far, I mean, they only have a fifth and a seventh round pick left out of all their picks for this year. Yeah. So, I mean, they're clearly going all in for the Super Bowl, not just this year, but also they are set, they are, you know, they're primed to contend for next year as well because Von Miller I think I think he has one year remaining after this year on his deal. Just one? I think so, yes. Cuz uh he was approaching the end of his deal with uh Denver. Right. Uh let's see. Apart from that though, you know, there wasn't really that many more moves that were done. The Chiefs, they acquired a pass rusher Melvin Ingram from the Pittsburgh Steelers in exchange for a sixth-round draft pick this year. Uh, and Ingram, you know, he he saw a reduction in playing time this season anyway, so he wasn't really much of a factor for Pittsburgh uh, this year. Uh, the Chiefs, they acquired uh, Daniel Brown from the Jets in exchange for offensive lineman Laurent DuVernay-Tardif, who, of course, uh, not only was he a former starter for them, but he spent all of last year uh, on the sidelines because, of course, he is a doctor as well. So, um, you know, obviously with the COVID pandemic going on, he was his time was, was better spent on the front lines as opposed to playing football. Uh, and he had just played, actually, this past week before they traded him. The uh, 49ers, they acquired a defensive end Charlos Omanihu from the uh, Houston Texans for a future late-round draft pick. Uh, he's, you know, basically going to be a rotational pass rusher, if anything, for the Niners. Other than that, other than that, there wasn't really that much, you know, that much more that was uh, that was done uh, in terms of moves. I mean, the Rams they waived uh, Deshaun Jackson, 
after having only eight catches all year this year. For some reason, you know, uh, he is washed out of the uh, L.A. Rams uh, roster. And the Titans, they did also sign uh, Deontay Foreman as uh, extra insurance alongside Adrian Peterson. So, you know, it's it's really weird, but I guess, you know, maybe it, this now makes sense why the NFL trade deadline is considered to be one of the most boring trade deadlines out of all uh, out of all yeah. the league. Uh, the NFL, they apparently also agreed to look in to look into Coach Joe Judge's accusations of faulty headsets. Uh, after Judge was upset uh, from dropping another one-score game due to poor coaching, he was quick to blame the league's Bosey headsets for miscommunication rather than pointing the finger at himself for kicking a field goal on fourth and two from the five-yard line uh, in Monday Night Football's 20-17 uh, to 17 loss against the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? That's what you're going to go with? Faulty headsets? Yeah, you can do better than that. I mean, come on, you know, Normally, that's what people. That's what that's what uh, teams used to accuse the Patriots of. Uh, you know, when the Patriots were winning all these games at Gillette Stadium, you know, they would often the other teams would often accuse the Patriots of uh, tampering with headsets before the games. Yeah. Uh, one more injury to report: uh, Vikings coach Mike Zimmer confirmed that uh, defensive end Danielle Hunter had suffered a torn pectoral uh, against the Cowboys, and he will miss the remainder of the season after averaging a sack per game before the injury, which was putting him on pace for a career year. Uh, He missed all of 2020 with a herniated disc, but was dominant in his prior two seasons. So now Everson Griffin stands as the Vikings' top pass rusher uh, with five sacks and four tackles for loss on the year. And yet there was one more big story to come out this week. Uh, Going over to the NHL, finally, Lou, the Jack Eichel saga is over. Yes, I know as the Vegas Golden Knights have decided, shit, we don't care about prospects anymore. Let's trade everything. As they acquired yeah. Jack Eichel as, as well as a third-round pick in not this year's, but next year's draft uh, from the Buffalo Sabres. In exchange, right. they, sent over Peyton, they sent over Peyton Krebs, uh, Alex Tuck, a conditional first-round pick this year, and a second-round pick in next year's draft. Now, this beats out an offer from the Calgary Flames that initially saw Calgary sending over Matthew Kachuk 
as well as Sean Monahan and a few other uh, a few other draft picks as well. And the reason being is once Peyton Krebs was added to the equation, uh, Buffalo basically couldn't say no. Now uh, Jack Eichel he will uh, undergo the surgery that no NHL player has ever had ever before uh, on his neck that reportedly will keep him out of action until after the Olympics. Yes. Um, now, obviously he wanted artificial disc replacement, which is something that the Sabres would not agree to, which is why Eichel hasn't Correct. played it all this year. First off, what are your thoughts, Lou, on uh, the, you know, the mismanaged Buffalo Sabres career of Jack Eichel? Mismanaged is all right. The team was terrible. Uh, right. And so, but they're doing better this year, so they got to be doing something, doing something right. But refusing him, that did you know? You get a shot at making better. I don't think it was, you know, right on the on the saber start uh, part though. So I think Eichel had a reason to be angry and and leave. I mean, at least Vegas was is going to give him the treatment and that he so deserves. So I mean, that was a smart move for Jack. I mean, granted, this this is a surgery that has never been done before on an NHL player. So okay. You know, I guess that is what the Sabres are going with, that, you know, they they wanted him to undergo a surgery that had been proven to be yeah. effective. But it probably would have put him out for at least until the All-Star break or maybe perhaps for the whole year this year. And he's decided that he wants to go with the herniated or with the artificial disc replacement, which – will basically keep him out until the Olympic break, until after the Olympic break. Right. Uh, but when healthy, he is a top 10 player in the NHL, and he could, this move could help the Golden Knights potentially get right back to the Stanley Cup. I don't know if I As many thought. would argue... Many many would argue he is the first line center that the Vegas Golden Knights have always been missing on their roster. Which I mean, if he plays if he plays anywhere close to the same sort of production that he was with the Sabers, yeah, that's. I think Vegas potentially looks uh, very scary in the Western Conference all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the price that they had to pay, Peyton Krebs was the 17th overall pick in 2019, but he should have gone much higher uh, until he scared, uh, or no, he uh, suffered an Achilles injury three weeks before the draft, and that scared off uh, a whole bunch of teams apparently. And that's why he fell all the way to Vegas at number 17. Uh, Krebs did not have a point in nine games with Vegas this year, but he did have five assists in two games with the Henderson Golden Knights of the AHL. Uh, It says here to look for Krebs to take a top six role in Buffalo and get anywhere from uh, project anywhere from 35 to 40 points this season. 
Now, Alex Took, Alex Tuck, on the other hand, he is out after undergoing shoulder surgery at the end of July, but he is expected to be back after the Olympic break, which is the same time frame that Eichel is expected to be out for. Uh, and Took, he should see middle six times, so anywhere between the second and third lines uh, with Buffalo once healthy. And he is coming off a good season where he had 18 goals and 33 points in 55 games last season for the Vegas Golden Knights. And also the uh, first round pick that Vegas included in the, in the trade is reportedly top 10 protected. So if that pick ends up being in the top 10, then Vegas keeps it. Otherwise, uh, it says, though, it's not clear what the Sabres will receive instead if that pick ends mm-hmm. up in the top ten. Um, but it says it does say, though, that typically when a draft pick has this kind of protection, the team will be compensated with a pick from the following draft. So basically, if it's top ten, they would get the Golden Knights first-round pick in 2023 instead of 2022. Also, and this is a big part of this deal, the Sabres will not be retaining any of Jack Eichel's salary. I mean, that's unreal when you think about it. Because, I mean, he's got a gigantic chunk of of uh, of cash actually let me let me check his contract currently cuz he signed a massive extension he's on tap for about 10 million per year so when you think about it right now uh let's see he's currently in he'll have about 4 to 5 years left following mm-hmm. this season. And let me take a look right now, actually. Where does this put Vegas in terms of a cap hit? Mm-hmm. Let's see, spot track. NHL, and we will go down to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they currently have... Oh, it doesn't say what cap space they have. Um, oh, and his no movement clause officially begins next year, too. Yes. So he's basically locked in. Um, does it not say what their what their cap? Wow. Okay. I guess it doesn't say what their uh, uh, how much salary space it's they have. Supposed to though, isn't it? Um, it's supposed to, yes. But I am not seeing it right now. Um, I see they have about what's the what's the cap this year? Do you know? Um, offhand, no. Uh, let me see. So, because their current their current cap hit is about ninety three million. Yes. So let me see. Uh, actually, here we go. Cap friendly will actually give me a better uh, will give me a better estimation here. 
So Vegas, yeah. they have they have no cap space. I mean, literally, they're hey, actually, to rule them out. Yeah, their projected their projected cap hit is ninety two and a half million, and obviously, you know, they have a they each team is given a certain limit for long term injured reserve. Um, they only have about fifteen million remaining for long term injured reserve, which I assume. A majority of that is going to go to Eichel. So right. it says about – see, I'm trying, I'm trying to see how much his – how much his cap hit is going to – is really affecting Vegas here because it says that – his buried hit is his cap hit is ten million, but yet his buried cap is eight point eight seven five mil. So I wonder if that counts for injured reserve or maybe what exactly what exactly that counts for. But regardless, you know they are they're pretty much not going to be able to make any moves whatsoever at the trade deadline unless they, you know, unless they get rid of, uh, unless they get rid of some, uh, some salary. What salary would that be? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, here we go. So he is officially counting against the long-term injured reserve uh, cap. So, in terms of statistics, I'm bringing it up right here, actually. Uh, They have about their current cap space because Jack Eichel's contract has not been um, has not been taken into account yet is about $15 million. Now, obviously, they have about $27 million worth of cap space on injured reserve with yes. uh, Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, and Jack Eichel all injured, as well as Jake Bischoff, but his salary is the least of, of all of them. They have about they have $10 million for Eichel, $9.5 million for Mark Stone, and $7 million for Max Pacioretty. So I'm almost wondering if maybe Pacioretty might be a candidate potentially for uh, for uh, a trade because he does have a no trade clause, but it's modified. So he can mm-hmm. only he can only decline trades to certain you know certain teams, but otherwise I just I don't see how they're going to be able to maneuver uh, the current cap hit the way it is right now. Unless one of them is just out for the entire season, but I don't see that being potentially the case here. Uh, Let's see. 
so yeah, it, it does say here that he will that he will have uh, Jack Eichel will have the replacement surgery, and probably it's going to be for the uh, you know until the Olympic break that he may right. come back. But what are your thoughts, Lou? Where do you think this puts Vegas uh, when it comes to uh, contention? Like, assuming Jack Eichel returns and he's close to the same Jack Eichel that he was with Buffalo. Hmm. Well, he's getting what he's asked for, so it's going to make him stronger. But I don't know if it's going to make Vegas a contender. I mean, you know, I had, you know, the one season where, you know, uh, where nobody said they go play us and they did. I don't know. I mean, I go, you know, he's a good player. He's a strong player. But I don't think he's going to be enough to carry the uh, Vegas Knights to a, to a title. Unless he goes on a massive so? scoring streak. Now, once uh, is something, uh, twice to do it, no, I don't know. I mean, let me let me bring up his stats real quick here uh, with Buffalo. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is a Buffalo team that sucked to high heaven. Uh, the last yeah. three sure years, the, the last three years, now keep in mind, last year he got injured, so he had a shortened season. Correct. Uh, through, 21, through 21 games, and keep in mind, this was with a horrible Buffalo team. He only had two yeah. goals and 16 assists. He only had two goals and 16 assists through 21 games last year. Uh, this was with a horrible team with literally no offense. Uh, the right. year before, the year before, he had 36 goals and 42 assists with 78 points through 68 games that shortened season because of COVID. Um, the year before that, he had 28 goals, 54 assists, and 82 points. So he is, you know, most of his NHL career has has averaged around the high 50s to low 80s in terms of points that he's put up. To me, that's, you know, that's first line numbers. So, in, you know, in my opinion, I think this could potentially – I mean, granted, I, you know, obviously, uh, in order to make his salary work, they're gonna they're gonna probably have to do something, to uh, you know, they're gonna have to ship somebody out like Max like Max Pacioretty maybe. Um, these numbers that he's putting up that he's put up in his career, I think if he puts up if he puts anywhere close to these numbers uh, with Vegas. I think that may potentially put them over the top mm. when it comes to uh, Stanley Cup contention. Okay. But, I mean, looking where they are right now, you know, through 11 games, they're 6-5. Okay. and five. Uh, They're currently, I mean, let, let, let me see, because top And the three, Sabres doing well, too. Shockingly, yes. Shockingly, the Sabres are doing well. Um, five, four, and two. Uh, although I think you know a lot of that has to do with the uh, new head coach that they uh, uh, now that they're playing under uh, under Granado, 
Um, yeah. You know, he's actually he's actually worked some discipline into that lineup uh, when it comes to Buffalo. Renato, I no, that, that I sounds so familiar. Is it who I think it is? Uh, what are you thinking of, Don Granado? No, there's another Granado with my uh, play. Uh, yeah, because Don Granado is currently the head coach uh, for Buffalo, but uh, he is the brother of uh, of Tony Granado. Tony Granada, that's what I'm thinking. Tony Granada. Because uh, Tony Tony Granado, uh, he was uh, former left wing yep. in uh, in hockey, and he is actually currently the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers uh, men's ice hockey team. Right. And we can't but forget Granato about Sister Kimmy. Yes, that's right. But uh, Tony did play for uh, for New York for for the Rangers, the Kings, and the Sharks yeah. in his NHL career. So, um, well. and also was a coach for three years too. Uh, yeah, you know, under under Don Granado, it it seems like so far uh, they have displayed more of a. Uh, you know, more of a disciplined approach compared to yeah. what we compared to what we've seen out of them in recent years. Mm-hmm. So let me look. What has eh, Anders Bjork, who uh, who they traded for, uh, or who they acquired for Taylor Hall? He hasn't really done much this year. One goal, one assist, with for two <laughs> points in eleven games. So. Uh, I think you know. I think it's very clear that uh, that Boston won that deal in this uh, yeah. in this sense here with Taylor Hall. Um, maybe Hall should come back to the Devils. Well, maybe if if he's ever uh, if he's ever a trade candidate, that's the only way that he could uh, with the deal right. that he has uh, currently with Boston. Well, I know a lot of people in this area who will let them back. Oh, I'm sure, because uh, first off, they shouldn't have even gotten rid of him to begin with. No. Ever since then, the Devils have just sucked. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I honestly think I honestly think that last year he had a poor showing in Buffalo for a reason, because he wanted out of Buffalo. He real, You know, it's funny. Right. Uh, he discussed He discussed when he got to Boston – that originally he was going to sign with Boston in the off season, but he Correct, chose yes. to sign with Buffalo. He he chose to sign with Buffalo for some reason, and the the offers I believe were pretty close uh, in terms of salary that Boston gave him and Buffalo gave him. But for some reason, uh, he went to Buffalo, and it seemed like he was you know he was promised that they were building something big and ultimately it ended up being the dumpster fire that we all saw last year. But, you know, ever since, ever since he's come to Boston, he's been rejuvenate, uh, rejuvenated 
uh, you know, in terms of his uh, his scoring. So, but you know, if he were to go back to New Jersey, he would definitely be uh, the type of winger that some of your young studs like Jack Hughes would need. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you know, in the uh, in the New Jersey, New York area, uh, Adam Fox, the young defenseman for the New York Rangers, he has signed a seven-year contract extension for the Rangers, yep. worth an average an average annual value of nine and a half million dollars after capturing the Norris trophy last season in his second year in the league. Um, And of course this is on top of his final year currently in the entry uh, level contract. So his extension, his extension doesn't begin until next year. Uh, also, according to sources, William Carlson, he saw, you know, this may explain why Vegas upped their offer for Jack Eichel, uh, because uh-huh. William William Carlson, he suffered a broken foot, and he is expected to miss about six weeks of action after after sustaining the injury last Friday against Anaheim when he was hit by a shot. Um. Although he is kind of underperforming so far this season, one goal and two assists in eight games. And, you know, this Vegas team is currently uh, previously uh, was playing without Mark Stone and also without Max Pacioretty because of their injuries. Now, I'm seeing a whole bunch of What the hell are all these comments that are coming out here? Oh, okay, it's something having to do with uh I kept I kept getting these notifications on my phone. Um yeah. so Jason Tatum, I guess I guess Jason Tatum has finally spoken out about Marcus Smart's criticisms of his play in the fourth yeah. quarter. Um he said we've talked about it and we had a team meeting, I guess. I know how to play basketball. I've been doing it a long time, and I'm pretty successful at it. I've always made the right plays. I'm not perfect. Uh, I've got things I can work on. I think that's the good part about it. As young as I am, as good as people think I am, I've got a lot to improve on, and I'll be the first one to say that. I'm always going to play the game the right way in the way that I was taught and the way that I've played my whole life. That's never going to change. So, Basically, the Celtics they had a team they had a players only meeting earlier this week before the game against uh, Miami, and pretty much what this says to me is Marcus Smart bitched and complained, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum basically told him, "Sit your ass down," and that's it. Yeah, because. You know, Marcus Marcus Smart was whining and complaining about how oh these guys need to pass more instead of taking instead of taking shots. These guys need to pass more. What so you can brick more threes? Because most of most of our misses in crunch time come from Marcus Smart. Yeah. And for some reason, Smart instead of 
the comments should have stayed in house, but apparently Smart decided right. to uh, to go public about it. Not smart, not smart at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Lou, Lou, if you were like if you were the coach of a uh, of a basketball team or any team in general that has you right. know issues uh, going on underneath, wouldn't you want that stuff to stay within the team as opposed to? Oh, of course. You know, we want leaking to out all into over the, every, uh, into the press. Every every newspaper in the country and whatnot be exposed. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding in house. Yeah, so I was kind of surprised that that uh, information had even leaked out to begin with. Yeah. Uh, ooh, this this just came in. Uh, the Astros have reportedly offered Carlos Correa a five-year, $160 million contract. Now, Is that right? you may think this may seem low, and that's because it is. Because all of the, the, the previous shortstop deals went for much more money. Right. Compared to the... Compared to the 32 average annual value that uh, that is in this deal, uh, you know I've I've mentioned how I believe that Carlos Correa is probably going to remain an Astro, but after this offer, uh, I'm not so sure about that. No, you know because he could probably make a lot more on the op- on the open market. I mean, granted, it's it's hard to say a lot more than 32 mil per year, but yeah. considering how the base considering how the baseball market is in terms of uh, spending, yeah, I think he can make a lot more than yeah. 32 mil per year. All right, what are your thoughts on that, Lou? Does that seem like a low ball offer? For for a top star, for a top star such as him, yeah, that is considered low. I mean, you know, other teams have offered for much more money, so yeah, this is kind of well. But still, it is a considerable. I mean, it's you know, really weird to consider it a low ball offer, considering it's thirty two million per year. But, yeah, which you know, you know, it's which is you know is not really a small change. Yeah, it's not really chump change, exactly. No, no. Uh, let's see here. We also have uh, some other bits. Oh, oh my God. How did I forget about this? Uh, so we did see a retirement earlier this week as Buster Posey, Buster the catcher Posey. for the – for the San Francisco Giants has announced his retirement at the age of 34, going down as one of the best to wear a Giants uniform, helping the franchise win three titles while hitting yep. 302 while playing outstanding defense behind the plate and winning a National League MVP back in 2012. So now... Uh, obviously, he'll be eligible for Hall of Fame voting in five years. Uh, let's let's ask this question, Buster Posey. You know, a lot of people believe that he could have 
added on to his uh, to his already impressive resume if he decided to play yeah. uh, longer. But do you think he is a Hall of Famer? Yes, first yes, a Hall of Famer. Yes, uh, on the first ballot, no. No, no, I, I wouldn't think on the first ballot, but I, I no, I honestly I believe he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, uh, a three oh two batting average for a catcher? Are you kidding me? A three oh two batting average for a catcher. Uh, 158 home runs. Uh, then again, keep in mind catchers aren't aren't normally known as home run hitters. Uh, right. 729 729 RBIs. Uh, 1,500 hits, even 1,500. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a seven-time All Star, uh, a three-time World Series champ. Uh, He won the Rookie of the Year in 2010. He won the MVP in 2012. He is a Gold Glove Award winner from 2016, a four-time Silver Slugger. Uh, He also won the two-time Wilson Defensive Player of the Year Award in back-to-back years, uh, 2015 and 2016. Uh, He's also a two-time Comeback Player of the Year Award winner, having won the, uh, uh, the award this year as well as 2012. Uh, he also won the Hank Aaron Award back in 2012. Uh, he was the batting champion in 2012, for the National League, that is, uh, as well as he won the Golden Spikes Award and the Dick Hauser Trophy uh, in college, actually. So, yeah. I mean, the accomplishments are there. It's, I think a big question is going to be whether or not he retired too early. Hmm. Well, because 30, 34 yeah. years old, you know. Hey, what are your thoughts, Lou? Do you think, do you think he could have played a few more years or – Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. We'll play a few more years. Yeah. I think he's too to retire anyway. I mean, thirty-four today in baseball is not like it was, you know, forty, fifty years ago. I think he would have still had a good five years left in him. Absolutely. True. It's it's possible. It's possible he could have had a good a good four or five years left. And also another thing to keep in mind too is he could have padded his resume. But I think a big question too is. You know, his bat, I think what may kind of help him is the fact that his batting average is above 300. You know, it's sort of the same thing with Dustin Pedroia. You know, Dustin Pedroia, he retired because, well, he was forced to retire because of injuries, uh, mounting injuries. Right. But his problem is a lot of people think he may not get into the hall because his batting average was just a tick below 300. Mm. Despite all of his accomplishments, so I kind of wonder, maybe Posey may be in the same position as Pedroia is in when it comes to the Hall of Fame, because they both have similar stat lines. Uh, 
you know, they both have similar accomplishments. You know, the the main difference is one is a catcher and one is a second baseman. Uh, some other uh, bits of news here. Uh, earlier this week, the Red Sox, they lost a, uh, a legend both on the field and uh, in the broadcast booth as Jerry Remy uh, passed away at the uh, age of 68. He was in the battle yeah. of his seventh, his seventh or his eighth battle with cancer, I believe, uh, lung cancer. Uh, the last, the last he was seen, obviously, he threw out the first pitch before the wild card game for the Red Sox against um, against the New York Yankees. And I mean, it's a it, it's a huge loss for the city of Boston because he's he was pretty much yes. treated as a Boston icon, um, essentially. Yes specifically uh, not just for his play, but also he was one of the most recognizable voices uh, when it comes to uh, the broadcast booth. Right. I guess, you know, I guess uh, unfortunately it was only a matter of time um, after having to go in remission for so many, uh, so many times. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, he did pass away at the age of 68. Uh, the Houston Astros, they signed manager Dusty Baker to a one-year extension, so he will return next year uh, for his third season at the helm of the reigning American League champions. Uh, believe it or not, he has taken five different organizations to the postseason in his yeah, career. Uh, he guided the Astros to 95 wins during the regular season this year and, of course, came within two victories of his first World Series title uh, as a manager this past season. So, of course, we all, we all know what, uh, what happened there. Uh, yeah, we do. Kyle Seeger was informed by uh, the Seattle Mariners that he apparently will not be uh, picked up. Uh, His option will be declined. And apparently he was informed through email. They apparently they tried to call him and text him, but he never received the messages. So he was, he was told through his email that uh, you know that he was they were declining his option uh, Mariners assistant general manager Justin Hollander also reached out to Seeger's representative uh, Andrew Lowenthal of Jet Sports to let him know what was happening um, but uh, Kyle Seeger he will hit free agency officially this offseason as will Andrew Chafin, who declined his half of a five and a quarter million dollar mutual option with the Oakland Athletics, as he will look to score a multi-year deal after pitching a uh, a 183 ERA 
this year in a uh, career year for him between the Cubs and the Athletics. Uh, Adam Duvall, uh, World Series champion Adam Duvall, declined his side of a $7 million mutual option. So he is likely to hit the free agent market as well. Yes. Uh, Also hitting the free agent market will be Kevin Pillar from the New York Mets. Avisail Garcia for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Charlie Blackman for the Rockies. He will remain with the Rockies as he he, uh, exercised his player option. And Johnny Cueto will also hit the market uh, from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, But, you know, that is going to uh, do it for us this week uh, on the show. Uh, Lou, thank you as always uh, for joining me. My pleasure. And for uh, everybody that hasn't done so yet, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, or you can go on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music. Uh, If you haven't done so yet, you can join the Whispers groups on Facebook, either Survivor, if you're a fan of Survivor, Big Brother, or if you want to talk sports. You know, you can uh, you can ask to join the Survivor, Big Brother, or Sports Whispers groups. Uh, uh, as far as Sports Whispers Weekly, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of the show. Uh, turn the your Survivor back, recap. Yes, turn your clocks back. That's right, starting at two a.m. Uh, I know. Uh, is, it, is it turn off All right. Well. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday. But Thursday night, uh, Survivor 41 Recap Show. Otherwise, everybody else, have a good rest of your weekend.